Peace be with you. Have some announcements this morning. We, uh, in worship with us today, are Rosie and Bobby uh, Kendig. I can call you Bobby, right? Is that that's what your mom calls you? Sorry, my mom called me Kenny. So, Bob is here. Um, and uh, for those of you who hadn't heard, uh, their beloved Bill passed away this last week, and so. Uh, it's a tender time for them, and I know that they covered your prayers, and I know that you have been lifting them up all along this time uh, uh, for strength and for peace and comfort and grace. So uh, thank you for being here. You are a testimony to uh, your faith in Christ, where our hope comes from, and, and uh, may God continue to bless you and comfort you. We also, in our bulletin, have an announcement here, and this is for the daughter-in-law of Sharon and Ed. Renee Reamer went home to be with the Lord, and we will have a celebration of life service this next Saturday, and we would love to have you here uh, in support, in prayer, in celebration of a beautiful life well-lived by Renee. Also, Ashley has put together, uh, and she's doing a wonderful job as assistant here, and she put together this timetable in here for the coming Lent season and the services that we have. Ash Wednesday is next Wednesday, so we invite you to come if you can during the day um, and don't want to drive at night. There will be a service here at 12. There will also be a service at 7 uh, in that evening with a study. And we'll impart ashes uh, and the Lord's Supper at that time as well. And, and it will be, thank you, LaVon, over there in the fellowship hall in the evening. Yes. Thank you. I want to also bring your attention to this page. So if it applies to you, uh, pay attention. <laughs> if it doesn't, don't. And then I want to share something with you of a conversation I had, it was, it was a text conversation. I guess that's a kind of a conversation. The question was asked, Pastor, why don't we, as Christians, hear more about the persecution of Christians throughout the world? And I have to say, that's my fault. And the fault of pastors in the pulpit. We're not talking about the persecution that is going on throughout this world upon our brothers and sisters in Christ. And it's real, and it's violent, and it ought not be. And I did, with my hat in my hand, said it's the fault of the, of the, the pulpit, and, and it's not a comfortable subject. It may be a subject that we don't feel that we can do anything about. And so I would ask you today for advice. What forum, when, how would you like to hear about the persecution of the church? And not only hear, but perhaps there's something that can be done. Would it be a lecture? Would it be from the pulpit here where maybe I depart from the lectionary and talk about these things? Would it be in a, a newsletter? Think about that because I need your help because it's important. And Christ would have us not be inactive but be active in this. And I think that's it. We have, you'll notice, uh, Bang is over there. Thank you so much for coming and playing for us today. We welcome you. We're grateful for you. And our opening hymn is Love Divine, All Loves Excelling. It is on page 315. Let us stand up and sing as unto the Lord. We come together this morning in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open and all desires are known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us confess our sins to God our Father, most merciful God. We confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his son to die for you. And for his sake, he forgives you all of your sins. And as your called and ordained servant of Christ, and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all of your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. This is the feast of victory for our God. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. O oh God, in the glorious transfiguration of your beloved Son, you confirmed the mysteries of the faith by the testimony of Moses and Elijah. In the voice that came from the bright cloud, you wonderfully foreshadowed our adoption by grace. Mercifully, Make us co-heirs with the King in his glory and bring us to the fullness of our inheritance in heaven through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. 
Our first reading this morning is from Deuteronomy chapter 14, verses 1 through 12, and can be found on the few, in the Pew Bible on page 329. Deuteronomy 34, 1 through 12. Then Moses climbed Mount Nebo from the plains of Moab to the top of Pisgah, across from Jericho. There the Lord showed him the whole land, from Gilead to Dodan, all of Naphtali, the territory of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah, as far as the Mediterranean Sea, the Negev and the whole region from the valley of Jericho, the city of Palms, as far as Zor. Then the Lord said to him, This is the land I promised, an oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, when I said, I will give it to your descendants and have let you see it with your eyes but you will not cross over into it. And Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in Moab, as the Lord had said. He buried him in the Moab, in the valley opposite Pethbor. But to this day, no one knows where his grave is. Moses was 120 years old when he died, yet gone, and yet, his eyes were not weak, nor his strength gone. The Israelites grieved for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days until the time of weeping and mourning was over. Now Joshua, son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him. So the Israelites listened to him and did what the Lord had commanded Moses. Since then, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, who did all those signs and wonders the Lord sent him to do in Egypt to Pharaoh and to all his officials, and to his whole land. For no one has ever shown the mighty power or performed the awesome deeds that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. We will read Psalm 99, verses 1 through 9, responsibly which is in your, printed in your bulletin. Psalm 99. The Lord reigns. Let the nations tremble. He sits enthroned between the cherubim. Let the earth shake. Let them praise your great and awesome name. He is holy. The king is mighty. He loves justice. You have established his Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his footstool. He is holy. He spoke to them from the Sibar pillar of cloud. They kept his statutes and the decrees he gave them. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his holy mountain, for the Lord our God is holy. 
Our epistle this morning is from Hebrews chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, and can be found in the Pew Bible on page 1864. Hebrews 3, 1 through 6. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters, who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses, just as the builder of a house has greater honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the God is the builder of everything. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house, bearing witness to what would be spoken by God in the future. But Christ is faithful as a son over God's house. And we are his house, if indeed we hold firmly to our confidence and the hope in which we glory. Here ends the reading. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's kind of quiet. Should we sing it a cappella? Can you lead us in? Alleluia, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Alleluia. That was nice. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke from the ninth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. This morning, our gospel message comes from Luke 9, verses 28 through 36. It can be found on your pew Bible on page 1609. Luke records, about eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him and went up onto a mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor. They were talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. And Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. And as the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for for Elijah. He did not know what he was saying. While he was speaking, a cloud appeared and covered them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. And a voice came from the cloud saying, This is my son, whom I have chosen. Listen to him. And when the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. The disciples kept this to themselves. And they did not tell anyone at that time what they had seen. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? 
May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. I'm going to reread from the gospel this morning and comment. About eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him and went up onto a mountain to pray. Notice that it's eight days. What had been going on the seven days before? Well, it was the Feast of the Tabernacles, also called the Feast of Booths. First time I heard it, I thought it was the Feast of Booths. I'm like, that doesn't sound biblical to me, but Booths. Annunciation matters. This is a time when the Jewish people were to gather in Jerusalem, not only to remember God's provision in the wilderness, but also to look forward to the promised messianic age when all nations will flow to the city to worship the Lord. That hope of a Messiah coming to make all things new again, all things right. They were celebrating. And if you think right now about one of the grandest celebrations you've ever attended, can you picture it in your mind? Now picture that for seven days. Seven days. That is what Jesus and I call them the boys, had just come from. Back to the scripture, as he was praying, the appearance of his face changed. And his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. And two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor. And they were talking with Jesus. And they spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. You notice also that as he was praying, that's when things happen. As he was praying, we see Moses and Elijah, prophets of God, and both of them had mountaintop experiences, didn't they? What is it about mountains? Is it the view? I think so. Yes, Carol. Yeah. It's the view. It helps us to see more than what we might see were we to focus on our navel, navel gazing. Elijah had a mountaintop experience first at Mount Carmel when he proves that Baal is no god. Oh, he may have been a god with a little g, but he was no god. Do you remember that? Do you remember how they had a fire-starting contest? God worked through Elijah and revealed his glory, his power, his might, and his faithfulness. And Elijah was also on Mount Sinai, the same place that Moses was and where Moses had stood centuries before him when Moses received a great revelation from God. When Elijah was there, behold, it says in Scripture in Kings, 1 Kings, and behold, the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, and the Lord was not in the earthquake, and the Lord was not in the fire. Moses on Mount Sinai orchestrated a great event. Again, it impressed the crowds. There was thunder. There was lightning. There were earthquakes and fire. Astounding. What a spectacle. What a wonderful manifestation of God's power. 
The truth is, shortly after that, the people were off worshiping a golden cow. And when Moses saw this coming down from the mountain, he took the tablets that, of revelation that God had given him. And he threw them down, and they were broken. And it was only after Moses went back up that mountain to commune with God in a, listen, commune with God in a quiet way, without the public, communing with God in an intimate way, that the second set of tablets emerged and the renewal of the covenant emerged. The takeaway here is that the effects of a big show, the effects of a big show are at best short-lived. What was the last show you saw? Short-lived. Magnificent show, but the people grew tired. And they talked to Aaron. They said, he's not coming back. We need something to worship. And as we know, out popped a cow, right? Those things are short-lived in our perishable, short-sighted, navel-gazing, what's-it-in-for-me view. Now, Scripture goes on further, and it says, Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. Asleep again. What is it with these guys? What is it with me? What is it with you? We sleep. Not just the eight hours that we need at night, but we sleep. When God is in front of us, we sleep. When we're hearing the word of God, we sleep. When we read God, we sleep as we walk through this life. We should be listening. Further in Scripture, as the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. <laughs> I love this part. I identify it. How about you? He did not know what he was saying. Made sense to him. I mean, he just came from the, the Festival of Tabernacles, right? He just came from this wonderful thing where booths were set up. Let's set up a booth for all you guys. This is great. I don't want it to end. It'll be a festival forever. Right? Made sense to him? Well, it may make sense to us too. They did not want the good times to end. We don't want the good times to end when we're on that mountaintop experience. Do we? Now we know that Jesus is greater than Moses. Jesus is greater than Elijah. But the boys didn't understand that yet. And neither did the Jews. Moses, Father Moses, the great prophet. They were hinging on him. They were celebrating the coming of the new Messiah. And he was there. Ta-da! And they're like, you know, get out of the way, Jesus. We're waiting for the Messiah. I mean, there's Moses and Elijah, and you're pretty great too. We'll hang out for a while. But they didn't get it. They thought that the three might be equal. At least Moses was greater than, and we know through Scripture that Moses was not. Imagine this as Jesus speaks when he said in John 2, 19 through 21, Jesus answered them, destroy this temple, and I will raise it again in three days. 
They're leaning on their own understanding because their reply reveals that when they said, they replied, it has taken 46 years to build this temple and you are going to raise it in three days? The temple that Jesus had spoken of was his body. Leaning on our own understanding. They were walking through and looking at this beautiful building. Oh my gosh, isn't this great? Not one stone will stand on another. How can that be? How can that be? We need to have a view from the mountaintop. That's how our focal point, from our focal point, it needs to be from up, not gazing at our neighbor. Back to Scripture. While he was speaking, a cloud appeared and covered them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud, and a voice came from the cloud saying, This is my Son, whom I have chosen. Listen to him. The Father speaks. He reveals his Son. He gives them an order. And he gives us an order. What is that order? Listen to him. Are you listening? And when the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. The disciples kept this to themselves and did not tell anyone at the time what they had seen. I laugh at that. That's the one time they kept their mouth shut. I'm thinking that's miraculous intervention. I wish the Lord would impart that on me sometimes. Why not speak of this to anyone at the time? Why? I mean, it's amazing. The effects of the big show are at best short-lived. Hey, you guys aren't going to believe what we saw. You know, just the three of us because we're greater than the rest of you kind of. You're down here. We're up here. See the difference? Mountaintop. Ground level. The witness testimony of Peter, John, and James would be long-lived as they one day would go forth and proclaim Christ as Lord. And that proclamation would be long-lasting, far-reaching. But that's not what Jesus had come and been sent to do, is it? At that point, Jesus turned resolutely towards Jerusalem to head to the completion of his mission. Are you listening? We lean on our own understanding when we don't understand the circumstances that we are in, just like Peter and the boys. We see, we size up, and we act in accordance to our own knowledge. I know what we need to do here, you guys. We need to put together some tents so we can hang out, right? We build a tabernacle to continue the party. We Google questions that we have. We go to WebMD to self-diagnose. Don't do that. You can manifest every one of those symptoms if you really, <laughs> you don't even have to try. Huh? I've seen a lot of, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you've done that, haven't you? Me too. We find comfort from people. We find comfort from places. We find comfort in things that we ought not. Sometimes we ourselves rely on what we see from whereupon we sit. We rely on what we see from where we sit rather in opposition, in contrast to what God sees from where he sits. Whose wisdom are you going to trust? We can only build that which is perishable. Like the tent, like the booth. And we covet 
the perishable. We do everything to maintain the perishable. We put our trust, our attention, our values often on things that rust, on things that moths eat, on things that thieves steal. It ought not be. We are short-sighted, and we need to adjust our vision as from the top of the mountain. And the Holy Bible gives us this view. If we look and listen, we will know God's will. If we listen, and here's what the boys were missing, that God was revealing with Jesus on the mountaintop. Jesus, he was not reflecting God's glory. Think of that, how, how bright it was. Think of the brightest flash you ever had. Back in the day, those flash bulbs would go out and, and, and lightning flashes. Have you been blinded by the light before? If the light's shining on you, don't you do this? Put your hands up over your eyes. But at best, all that that is happening is that light is reflecting off of you. And, and that light that was on Moses on his mountaintop experience, that, that light that was on Elijah on that experience was just a reflection of God's glory. But no, the light that was upon, nay, the light was emanating from Jesus. Another revelation. The light was coming out of Jesus and only God can do that. A revelation. Ta-da. Are you listening? Moses and Re Elijah reflected God's glory, but remember, oh yeah, well anyway, <laughs> I missed that in my notes, but do you remember when Moses came down and he was so shiny that people like, Phew, and they put a veil, but it was still shining through? That was the reflection of God Jesus is the manifestation of the glory of God. And so we know that Jesus had to turn resolutely to Jerusalem to enact, and are you listening? To enact an exodus. Moses led an exodus. Jesus has been called the second Moses. But Jesus is enacting an exodus what exodus, pastor? Jesus came to rescue the world, the whole world, Jew and Gentile, from the prison of sin and death. He came to lead us out of captivity and into the promised new and eternal life that only God can provide, imperishable. He's leading, he led the exodus for us out of sin and death to everlasting life. And Jesus doesn't want us to build a tabernacle that perishes. He is the tabernacle, the one and the only dwelling place for those who repent, are baptized and believe. He is our strong tower. We are in him. Thank God, he is in us through his Holy Spirit. God wants to tabernacle with us. He wants to camp, if you will, to camp with you here on earth. And he does with his Holy Spirit in your heart, in my heart, in all who would believe, confess him, all who are baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, he dwells within you. What we get from this transfiguration is this. Jesus is the focal point. He is the new Moses. He is the new Elijah. Jesus does not just talk about the will of God, God's kingdom agenda, if you will. Jesus is the fulfillment, the fulfillment of God's plan to rescue a world that he so loves. 
Are you listening? Jesus comes to us now through the word and the sacrament. Today, at this altar, he comes to us. You received him through your baptism. You are joined to the exodus that he led. You are joined to his death. And you are joined to his resurrection. Are you listening? Now the church bears witness to God's legacy of faithfulness that we witness through Moses and Elijah and Jesus. And together, the church, we confess Jesus to be the Son of God to whom we must listen. Are you listening? In the name of Jesus, amen. Will you please stand? Let us confess our faith to the words together of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Jesus is in this sanctuary right now. So let us speak to God Almighty, creator of the universe, in the presence of Jesus, his only son, our Lord and Savior, and with the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Dear Lord, we're here to praise your holy name and to thank you for all you provide us and to express our awe, respect, and love for you. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for keeping the promises you make to us. Because of our sinful nature, we have great difficulty with this. We make many promises to one another in the course of our lives, 
whether in politics, legal matters, government relationships, or personal relationships, and we often fail to honor our commitments. We're sorry, Lord, for our sins that lead us to so often doubt your promises to us, even though you have always kept your word. This is the one irrefutable constant in our lives, and we depend upon it. Heavenly Father, we are saddened by our earthly loss of Bill Kendig, whom you have called home this week. We are thankful that as you promised and your Holy Spirit constantly assures us that you have removed all of his pain and troubles, healed him completely, and brought him into perfect peace with you. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would fill Rosie with divine comfort, joyful memories of Bill. Surround her with good friends and the constant reminder of your promise that she and Bill will be together again. We also mourn the loss of animal companions that you created and provided us to fill our families with joy. We love our pet companions as you loved them when you created them. Please comfort us when we feel the heartache and loss of these companions. Our hearts grieve the loss of all those whom we love, and you already know our pain and emptiness, so please embrace us tightly as only you can. Father, this church family is very tired of watching our family, friends, and companions pass away from our presence. Our faith in your promises and Jesus' saving grace keeps us from utter despair. Please keep a strong grip on our hearts during these trying times. Please be clearly present in our Pastor Ken's heart and mind as he ministers to those who grieve. He shoulders a great burden here, so we pray that you uphold him in your divine presence. Holy Father, you have given our nation everything and we have turned our backs on you. It's very hard for us to remain hopeful, but we know you remain in control and your will will be done, regardless of our misdeeds and arrogance. Even so, we pray that you would give divine wisdom to our elected leaders, young and older, especially those who are ignorant of history, hateful, proud, foolish, or godless. We pray that you would humble those who are proud and provide great encouragement to those who are humble. We also pray that you would silence the words of the hateful, deceitful, ignorant, and liars of which there seems to be an abundance. Thank you, Lord God Almighty, for your words that you provided us in Holy Scripture. They are indeed living words, and the power of those words can be felt by each of us. We hear and see your messages to us, new, meaningful, and exciting every time we read them. As we grow older with time and experience, we recognize your voice and instructions that seemed hidden when we were younger. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for opening our hearts and minds to the Father's voice when it is the appropriate time. And thank you for encouraging us to crack the book and seek the Lord's words. We are amazed when we hear you speaking directly to us individually, Holy Father, where and when we are through sermons and Holy Scripture. That is when we know with certainty that you are indeed here. Thank you for sacrificing your only son, Jesus, to forgive all of our sins, past, present, and future, and for promising to give us eternal life with you when your purpose for us on earth is complete. Please continually protect those who serve our nation and its people, military and civilian alike. Shield them from evil and physical harm. Keep our nation strong and faithful among all nations. Guide us to do the right thing by your standards, not ours. Finally, Lord, we now speak to you silently in our thoughts or aloud about our most personal concerns. Into your hands, Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.
May the peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us share the peace. Will you please stand? Please pray with me. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, maker of all things. Through your goodness you have blessed us with these gifts. With them we offer ourselves to your service and dedicate our lives to the care and redemption that all that you have made. For the sake of him who gave himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right and salutary that we should at all times and in all places, offer thanks and praise to you, O Lord, Holy Father. Through Christ our Lord, sharing our life, he lived among us to reveal your glory and love, and that our darkness should give away to his own brilliant light. With the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name, and we join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy. in which he was betrayed, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, took the bread and he gave thanks. And then he broke it, giving it to his disciples, saying, take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And again, after supper, Jesus took the cup and he gave thanks. And then he gave it to his disciples, saying, take and drink. This is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. For we know that as often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, that we proclaim his death, his resurrection, and his glorious coming again. Let us now pray together the prayer that Jesus gave to us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, The sacrament of the altar is a gift. It imparts grace. And it's for those who are baptized and believe and confess with their lips Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Come, the table is prepared. You may be seated and the ushers will bring you forward.
and now the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our closing hymn is Lead On, O King Eternal.